you're listening to our podcast, it might sound a little different today. And if you're viewing our podcast on YouTube, you can already see it looks different. It's just me, your host, AJ Nance, today. Zach has been caught up with work, but after a discussion with him, we decided we have to get out an episode about what happened this last week in sports. Uh, especially in the NHL, it's been an historic week in the MLB. Very sad here in St. Louis, but there's some things we have to discuss. In the NBA, it has been phenomenal. Uh, as you guys know, I'm a huge NBA fan, so it's been phenomenal regardless, but it's actually been amazing basketball on um, in both conferences. So we have to discuss that, and then we're going to uh, probably leave the NFL off for the next episode with Zach, so we kind of recap the draft, talk about our winners and losers. But we have to get it started with the MLB. Uh, and in, like I said, here in St. Louis, it's been a miserable start to the year. The Cardinals are now 10 and 19 after being swept by the Dodgers uh, this past weekend. We are back home, though, after a long road trip. We have the Los Angeles Angels in town and then the Detroit Tigers. As you guys know, those are two very winnable matchups. We need to take care uh, of our business this week. When you looked at the schedule coming into the season, for the Cardinals, we really felt confident that by the time we got to the Angels and Tigers, we'd be in a good spot. 10 and 19 is not a good spot. It has been an awful, 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 dreadful start to the year from the pitching side, from the offense side. There's one name that we haven't discussed a whole lot in here. That's Nolan Arenado. He's batting under 240 now with two homers in the first month of the year. We're in May. We're in May, and he has two homers to start the year. It's awful. It's awful. Paul Goldschmidt's still batting about 290, uh, around the 300 range. He's getting he's getting on base. He's getting base hits. But the power, only four homers in the month of April. There's a lot of issues the Cardinals have right now, more than just the pitching. So it's it's a lot of a lot of stuff they need they need to fix quickly. Because as I'm going to talk about in a little bit here, the division isn't as weak as w- what we thought it would be. Um, but as I said, with the Angels and Tigers in town this week, we need to take advantage. I will be present on Thursday afternoon at Bush Stadium. So um, we need a W. We have Mats versus Sandoval tonight on Tuesday night, um, and Otani versus Michaelis on Wednesday, and then I think it's Flaherty and Canning on Thursday. So got to win, guys. Got to win. Got to at least win two out of three here. And then I, I – it sounds crazy because we're 10-19, but we got to sweep the Tigers. There's no there's no if and buts about it. We got to win five of six this week and uh, get some good mojo going. I believe this team is capable of doing it. We're very talented uh, and we're very capable of doing this. So got to turn it around quick. Uh, other news in the MLB though, there's three teams that I have to discuss today, and um, there are three teams that are um, how do I say this? They're they're very famous for not being good teams in the past. Um, they're notorious for being bad teams in the past. How about that? First, in the NL Central, the Pittsburgh Pirates have started the season 20-9. and They are leading the NL Central. This is a young Pirates team that we had a lot of high hopes for three or four years now, and they finally put it together without O'Neill Cruz. He's been out with an injury. But this, uh, this Pirates team is really rolling right now, and I think it's great for baseball. All th- I think it's great for baseball. All three of these teams are good this year. But especially the Pirates, uh, who has who have been a team that has young talent, young blossoming talent that are starting to um, fill those fill those roles. Brian Reynolds has had a tremendous year. Cabrian Hayes, his average is still down. Uh, his power is still not great, but that man can absolutely pick it at third base. One of the best defensive third basemen in baseball. You can make a case he deserves a Gold Glove 
very soon here, if not already. Uh, the Pirates are 20-9, and nine, like I said, though, leading the NL Central. Next, the Baltimore Orioles. This is a team that finally blossomed a little bit last year. We could kind of see what they were capable of. And now they've really put it together for through the first 28 games of the year. They are 19-9. and nine. They are second in the AL East, of course, because the Tampa Bay Rays are having an historic season. But the Baltimore Orioles are getting enough pitching. Adley Rushman has been what we expected, possibly an MVP candidate. Um, and they're just, they have so much young talent. One name that no, people aren't talking about enough is their shortstop, Jorge Mateo. He's batting 357, and he has over 10 stolen bases already. He has been absolutely phenomenal for them at the top of their order, and the Orioles are really rolling right now. Cedric Mullins, they got a bunch of dudes over there, so keep an eye on them. And then one last team is the Texas Rangers. Now, the Rangers are 17-11. They're leading the West over the Astros, over the Mariners, obviously the A's and the Angels. But 17-11 and 11 for a team that obviously spent a lot these last two years getting Corey Seager, getting Marcus Simeon, getting Jacob deGrom, getting um, Gray, another pitcher. Um, sadly, Jacob deGrom went down with a elbow injury earlier this week, and it didn't look good, guys. It looked like something that could be a Tommy John type of injury. I don't want to speculate too much, uh, but it did not look great. His His body language looked awful. That's not a good sign moving forward for the Texas Rangers, but they are 17 and 11 right now. Their offense has been great. Jonah Heim, their catcher, is number one in framing. Uh, so he's been a, a tremendous defensive catcher for them this year. Offensively, batting 278 with four homers as well. And obviously, I don't want to talk about it too much, but Adolis Garcia, a guy the Cardinals let go for nothing. Um, earlier this year, had three homers in a game and was, far for, was five for five with eight RBIs. And then uh, overall, he's had a tremendous year, a little bit of all or nothing, but all around has um, 27 RBIs to start the year in the first month of the season, which is not too shabby. One team I left off was the Diamondbacks, the Arizona Diamondbacks. They are 16 and 13. Corbin Carroll's been obviously the number one guy over there for them and they're pitching, man, with Zach Gallen as as their ace. Um, another guy the Cardinals let get away. We've talked about that on here before. Um, the Diamondbacks are another team that has been notorious for being bad in the past that is finally putting it together. Um, but out of those three teams, for our TikTok and Instagram users, I want you guys to let us know in the comments, Pirates, Orioles, Rangers, are they all going to keep this success throughout the year? Or uh, are, are they going to fall off? Or will not, none of them be this good by the end of the year? Will the Pirates win the NL Central? Will the Orioles be a playoff team again after their slight run several years ago? And will the Texas Rangers get back into the playoffs after – um, five or six really awful years here. So let us know in the comments, of course. Uh, let's move on to the NHL, though, where, as I mentioned at the beginning, it has been an, an historic week in the National Hockey League. I don't even know where to start. I, I guess we have to start up there in Toronto. They finally broke the curse, a 19-year drought of not making it past the first round for the Toronto Maple Leafs, and they broke the curse, winning in Game 6 against the, of course, team that is so impossible to beat it feels like the tampa bay lightning they would just not go away even in this series i feel like a lot of toronto fans had doubt but the maple leafs got it done in game six a john Tavares goal made it two to one and they won all three games in tampa bay in overtime which is really remarkable they won game three game four and game six all in tampa bay and as i said all in overtime which is remarkable um persistence from the Maple Leafs, and they finally got it done. Uh, I know that city of Toronto is going absolutely crazy right now. It is great that they made it past the first round, 
And their matchup looks very likely for them. All year long, we had talked about this Boston Bruins team. They had the best regular season record in NHL history. People were saying they were the best team ever. I mean, obviously, record-wise, they were. They lose in the first round to the Florida Panthers, the sixth President Trophy-winning team in NHL history to lose in the first round. They lose Game 7 in Boston to the Florida Panthers. Connor Verhage with a goal to end it um, in overtime. Boston had a lead 3-2 late in that game, coughed it up 3-3, and then they lose it in overtime. And Sergei Bobrovsky is the second goalie, or it's his second time, I should say, beating the President Trophy-winning team in the first round. So he's kind of got that clutch gene to him, or maybe he's just right place, right time with the right team. But uh, an historic choke. I don't like using that word, but it is an historic choke by the Boston Bruins. And I just, I, I'm still in shock that it happened. I thought the Maple Leafs news was going to be the highlight of the week of like the breaking news, but the Boston Bruins choking that game, choking that series, choking that their season uh, to the Florida Panthers who kind of just snuck in and we kind of all wrote off is uh, remarkable to say the least. Um, it's not only probably the biggest upset or choke in NHL history, you can make a case it's in sports ever. I mean, if we look back at history, I haven't looked back at it myself yet, but we have to discuss that um, at some point in time when we look at the history of sports and choke choke jobs that have happened. The Boston Bruins 2023 season has to be up there. And that's not it. We have even bigger news. I guess not bigger. It's up there, though. The Seattle Kraken in their second year of existence have defeated the reigning champs the Colorado Avalanche in seven games. They win game seven in Colorado. They were down 3-2 in the series. They won game six at home, and they won game seven in Colorado. And I, I'm still in shock about that. That's three series. I had a, I picked uh, Toronto Maple Leafs to win, and I thought the Kraken could push the Avalanche. The Avalanche was, was without their captain, Landeskog, and I had just had a feeling goaltender-wise. I, I wasn't very confident with Colorado. I thought they would, uh, I thought they would push them maybe six or seven. Didn't think they would win. Toronto Maple Leafs, man. I, I thought they would win that series, but it, I knew it was going to go six or seven. Uh, obviously, the, the the curse was the big storyline there. And then the Bruins series, three people on planet Earth probably picked that one. They were all Panthers fans. So it's been an historic week in the NHL. All three of those series must watch. Every year, the NHL playoffs is must watch. Uh, and there's one other series, I guess two other series, that were pretty phenomenal too, but they don't match up to these these top three, the Devils uh, eliminate the Rangers. Talk about another choke. The Rangers went all out uh, to get Patrick Kane, to get Vladdy Tarasenko, to get Mikola. Um, they went all out for this year, and um, they they choke it. They go two up. They go up two zero in the series, winning both in New Jersey. They come back home feeling nice and pretty. I guess they lose both games. They win Game Six in New York. They come back for Game Seven in New Jersey. And uh, they lose. They lose game seven, four, nothing. Um, the big storyline for the Devils, Timo Meyer, one of their superstars, they got in a trade with the Sharks earlier this year, goes down with a nasty injury, a big Jacob Truba hit uh, by the near the blue line, uh, just came out of nowhere and just drilled him. Uh, if, if you guys want to see it, look it up. Jacob Truba hit on Timo Meyer. It's it's pretty, pretty scary. Um, and then the other series, the Oilers 
who Zach and I both had winning the Stanley Cup this year with the best player on earth, Connor McDavid. They win game six versus the Los Angeles Kings and win the series. Um, they won that game five to four on a late Yamamoto goal in the last five minutes of that game. And the Oilers move on. So looking forward to round two, which actually begins tonight with the Maple Leafs and Panthers in Toronto. That's the first series in the East. The other series in the East, the New Jersey Devils, Carolina Hurricane. Um, in the West, we have the Kraken versus the Stars, and then we have the Oilers versus the Knights. Um, I did pick Winnipeg to beat the Knights. That was not a good call on my part. Um, but looking at these matchups, I am going to pick the Leafs over the Panthers. I think the Panthers going seven games, laying it all out on the line versus that powerful Bruins team. Um, it's a tremendous storyline for the Florida Panthers. I don't think they beat the Leafs, though. I think the Leafs move on. Kraken Stars. I want to pick the Kraken. I really do. I'm going to pick the Stars. I think Jake Ottinger is the difference maker there in goal for the Stars. So I think the Stars move on. Devils, Hurricanes. I'm going to go Hurricanes. Again, seven games is draining. The Islanders pushed the Hurricanes to six, but the Devils playing all seven, coming back from down 2-0. They laid a lot lot out on the line, kind of like the Panthers did, being down 3-1, which is I still can't believe that. It blows my mind. But I do have the Hurricanes winning that. They were my pick to win the Stanley Cup at the beginning of the year. And then the Oilers versus the Golden Knights. It's a matchup that comes down to pace, I think. I think the um, the Golden Knights have a better defense. I think they have better goal, goalie play uh, than, the, than the Oilers. The Oilers have that superpower. And we have a matchup of number one overall pick, Connor McDavid, and number two overall pick, Jack Eichel, in that draft. So... Um, I'm rolling with the Oilers in this one. I think the Oilers, maybe I'm just biased to my pick of winning it all, but I do think the Oilers have enough to win it all this year. I really do. We might have an all-Canada matchup with the Oilers and the Leafs, but I have the Oilers moving on. And like I said, round two begins tonight with the Leafs and Panthers and Kraken Stars game one uh, on Tuesday night tonight. And then on Wednesday, by the time this episode will come out, the Devils, Hurricanes, Oilers, Knights will be beginning. Moving on. To the NBA, which I have kept up with the hardest as a diehard NBA fan. Um, We have to probably start with how the last round ended. And that is Game 7, Golden State Warriors, Sacramento Kings, Steph Curry, who's been known not to show up great in Game 7s, was phenomenal with a 50-point game. He was just chucking that thing up there. Over 35 field goal attempts. But he did have 50 in Game 7, and the Warriors move on to face the Los Angeles Lakers. In Round 2, because it's already begun, um, the Miami Heat and New York Knicks, the Heat are up one nothing in that series. And the really big storyline I've seen already in this series is whoever's winning the series is who can stay healthy. I, obviously, Tyler Hero is out with a broken hand. That happened during the Bucks series. And um, Jimmy Butler went down late with a with a scary fall uh, in that Heat Knicks game in Game One. On the Knicks side, Julius Randle was out for Game One, which obviously helped Miami. And Jalen Brunson's been dealing with some nagging injuries. They're both uh, that Game Two is tonight. Randle and and Brunson are both uh, game time decisions. Butler should be a go. Uh, the Knicks need this one. They really do. They they can't go up. They can't go down 2-0 to, to Miami and then go to uh, New, go to Miami. My goodness, can't speak. Go to Miami expecting 
to uh, come back in that series. I know Randall's a big piece that they need. They need Brunson to play better than what he did in game one. Uh, Miami's looking good right now, though. They they have the confidence. They knocked off Milwaukee. At that point, you can beat anybody in the NBA. If you can knock off Giannis, even in three, two and a half quarter games that Giannis played, Miami is rolling right now. They have confidence, and uh, they're scary. I think they're the best coach team left in the playoffs. You can make a case they're the best coach team in all of the league throughout the regular season and postseason uh, with Coach Spo there in Miami. So I like Miami to win that series. Uh, I think New York wins game two tonight in New York. I have a hard time seeing them uh, fall both, uh, lose both in New York. So I do have them tying up the series. If they don't, though, like I said, they're in trouble, very much trouble. Um the other series in the in the East here began the 76ers versus Celtics. Game one was last night. The big storyline, Joel Embiid was missing. He was not able to play with an injury that he has right now. Um, and the Sixers somehow, <laughs> somehow pulled it off. Jason Tatum had a phenomenal game with 39 points, but the Sixers won. Harden, going back to James Harden of the Houston days with 45 points. Um, an amazing game from James Harden, a step back late in that game in the final 25 seconds, 20 seconds to put him up. The Celtics had a chance to come down and win it. And they, uh, they didn't even get a shot off the screen. They, the ball got loose. They scrambled around. They threw it off Tatum. They had to foul. Um, and the Celtics lose the play before Harden hit that jumper. Malcolm Brogdon late in the shot clock drove, right? Threw it back thinking somebody was there. And he threw it right to Tyrese Maxey while they were up by one. They were about to put the dagger, and he turns it over, which is unlike Malcolm Brogdon. He's a very smart, very savvy player. He throws it to Tyrese Maxey, breakaway layup uh, to give the Sixers the lead, and then obviously Harden hit that jump shot during the whole sequence as well. Um, the biggest storyline, I took two big storylines. I mean, if you're the Sixers, you have to be very happy with how you performed. You have to be happy with a win without Joel Embiid. He should be good, good for game two or game three in the series. At least game three, I would think, going back to Philly. But if you're the away team, you guys know. You go into you go into a home environment where it's uh, very hostile. You ha- Your mindset is at least get one. Get one game. And they did that already. They're sitting very nice right now. But the big two storylines I have both come from the Celtics side. If you look at turnovers in this game, the Celtics had 16 turnovers. The 76ers had six. They won the turnover margin by 10, a difference of 10. If you're going to be the Celtics, man, if you're a Celtics fan, I should say, you have to be disappointed in this game one. If you're the Celtics team, you have to limit the turnovers. You have to. You have honestly no excuse for losing game one. James Harden was great, but you have no excuse for not not winning game one without 35 points a game of Joel Embiid. Probably the MVP of this year. It's not a, it's not a good time for a Celtics fan, I'm telling you. I know it's one game, it's easy to overreact. Uh but that's that's not good at all. And then the other storyline for the Celtics is Jalen Brown. Very efficient, 8 of 10, but in 42 minutes played he had one foul, he wasn't in foul trouble. He was 8 for 10. And this is this is your second honestly superstar. We could we could we could put him in that range. Um it's it's not good. That's not good at all. You have to get him more involved if you're Boston. Eight for ten. Eight for ten? You're that efficient, and you shoot eight for ten. Got to get him more involved. Got to get him more involved. But biggest thing for me is turnovers. 16 to six. Great job for the for the Sixers. Six turnovers? 
That's great. Absolutely phenomenal. And and as I said a couple times here, Harden with 45. So the Sixers go up one nothing. And those are the two series in the East. Moving on to the West, uh, it's kind of kind of wrap up the episode here. Oh man, the Lakers Warriors begin tonight. Okay, uh, but the series that has already had two games happen is the Nuggets versus Suns, which was kind of must watch. A lot of storylines in the series. Chris Paul looking for that for that first ring of his career, and a great career for Chris Paul. Kevin Durant, obviously the big trade in the middle of the season. Uh, they obviously have Devin Booker. They're very top heavy. On the other side, the Denver Nuggets, known for their depth, known for a two-time MVP, possibly a three-time. I said my pick already. I think it's Embiid. But people, he's going to get votes. Jokic will get votes. But Jokic, bunch of pressure on him, I feel like, this postseason. Jamal Murray coming back from an injury. Can he be that number two star on a championship team? They really showed a lot in that bubble season when they lost to the Lakers in the conference final. Jamal Murray obviously had a tremendous bubble. He had a tremendous game one as well. Clutch shots. They blew out the Suns in game one. Game two, not so good for Jamal Murray, but the Nuggets found a way to win. The Nuggets are up 2-0 in the series going to Phoenix. If you're a Denver fan, you're sitting nice and pretty right now. You're loving this. Going up 2-0 on the Suns. If you're the Suns, you got some things to look at. Devin Booker, two really good games. Very efficient. Uh, Kevin Durant in game two, 10 for 27. I think he was two for 12 from three, if I remember correctly. I don't have it pulled up with me right now or written down. But Kevin Durant, 10 for 27. I don't see anybody talking about that. This is your superstar. This is your number one guy. That can't happen. That can't happen. Jamal Murray on the Nuggets side, three for 15. 0 for 9 from three. I have a worry for the Nuggets. I know you won this game. It is because of your depth. It is because because Nikola Jokic had 39 and 16. He was phenomenal. And another thing with the Nuggets, they get issues when there's opposing bigs that cause problems. And in the West, you don't have a lot of that besides the Lakers. Anthony Davis could cause problems with Jokic. Or if you if you create switches with switches with Jokic defensively and put him on an island, which they have not done enough with Devin Booker and Chris Paul, they need to do that more and just abuse Jokic defensively. He's not a good defender. I have not seen them do that enough. Um, CP three is an issue for me in this series. Um, I think he's an extreme mismatch. I think Jamal Murray. Now I think I know Jamal Murray is abusing him defensively. Jamal Murray is embarrassing CP3. CP3 in game two goes down with an injury. He had eight points and um, just over 20 minutes played, I believe. I think he went down to the third quarter and uh, didn't come back. So that's a storyline to keep uh, keep an eye on. I think they're best if he's off the bench. And that might be a bold take. I think he's best off the bench if you start Torrey Craig and Josh Akogi for the defensive factor. Um, keep Cameron Payne off the bench and then you start Aiton, Kevin Durant, and Devin Booker. But I don't think the Suns by, are by any means out of this series. They have the they have the superpower, they have the firepower to come back in the series and win this series. But they have to win both in Phoenix. Obviously, if they lose both in Phoenix, the series is over, which I don't think that's happening. I would be shocked if that happened. And along with that, um, if they win one of the two in Phoenix, they're down 3-1. 3-1 is very, very tough. Not impossible. Very tough, though. And um, 
I think it's a must win three, must win game three and must win game four for the Phoenix Suns. But like I said, many times, and I've said it many times throughout the year, the NBA has been phenomenal this year. The playoffs have been electric this year. Moving on to the last series and my favorite series that I probably couldn't talk about a whole lot with, with my co-host Zach here, the Lakers versus the Warriors that begins tonight, nine o'clock central time, 10 o'clock Eastern. Oh man, this is must watch. It is two legends going at it. Steph Curry, LeBron James, possibly the last time we see these two go at it. Part five of them facing each other. One big storyline in the series. The Lakers won game six uh, to finish the series versus the Grizzlies. We have not really covered that a whole lot. I co- we covered it on our story. Uh, if you guys have not followed us on TikTok and Instagram, we cover everything over there, so make sure to go follow us over there. But Anthony Davis defensively in that game six was absolutely phenomenal. A beast, a monster, a defensive player of the year. He was making everybody look silly coming to the coming into the paint um he was a difference maker he only had 16 points in game six as we mentioned before he was kind of fluctuating between games he would have a 31 and 19 game then he would have a 12 point game you just never know what anthony davis you're going to get on a night-to-night basis but game six is what i expect from him as a lebron fan as a laker fan uh for as lebron as LeBron's there, I'm a Lakers fan. I'm going to call it that. Um, he is a guy that they need to be. I don't even think he needs to be the number one guy, but he needs to be that difference maker defensively. And he was that, as I said, in game six. Offensively in the series, I need more of more than 16 points, more than 12 points. I need more of that 25 to 30 range against Kevon Looney. No hate to Looney. Looney had a tremendous game seven, over 20 rebounds. Great defense versus a bonus in game seven of that series. Well, come on. It's Kevon Looney. It's all all worldly talent, Anthony Davis. If he's truly a top seven, top ten player in basketball, he needs to show out in this series. The Lakers have a mismatch with LeBron James, I have a feeling. LeBron James versus Andrew Wiggins. Maybe Kaminga if he gets some minutes. Draymond Green. I like LeBron in that matchup. I think they're very well-rested. Um, winning in game six and having the Warriors play all seven games versus the Kings, I think the Warriors are very, very tired. You you wouldn't see it from Seth Curry in game seven with his 50-point game, but I really think it's going to show as this series moves on, especially on the road. We have we have talked about before about how the, the Warriors really struggle on the road. I think it's going to be a continued struggle. I think the Lakers win game one, Warriors win game two, Lakers win both at home, lose game five uh, on the road and then win game six back at home. I think it plays out exactly like the Grizzlies series uh, played out. If you're the Warriors, for the Warriors fans out there, you have to be obviously confident in your squad. You have Steph Curry, who's on a tear right now. Um, You obviously have the championship pedigree. You're the reigning champs. You've won four in the Steph Curry, Draymond, and Clay era. And you have young talent, Jordan Poole, which I've made my thoughts and opinions on Jordan Poole pretty known, pretty public. I'm not a huge Jordan Poole fan, not a huge Jordan Poole believer. I think he's not a winning player. Um, he can, He's a bucket getter with some of the best of them. But I don't think he's a championship player. He, he doesn't, he doesn't um, do enough for me engaging defensively 
to really to really impress me in that way. So if you're the Warriors though, looking at the Warriors, looking at the at the Lakers side too with this topic here, can the Lakers guards keep up with Steph Curry and Klay Thompson? And I'm not too worried about Klay Thompson. I might be eating my words by the end of that by the end of this series. But with Steph Curry, can Vanderbilt, can Dennis Schroeder, can Austin Reeves? Um, who knows if Malik Beasley, I don't think he would be put on that matchup. They can get a switch with him, though, or Lonnie Walker if Lonnie gets any minutes, which I think he should. Um, can they match up D'Angelo Russell? Can he keep his own? Just hold your own a little bit. Um, speaking of D'Lo, I don't expect 31 like he did in Game 7 or Game 6 of that Grizzly series. Well, we're going to need a consistent D'Lo now. We're going to need a 16 or 17 a game. We're going to need Anthony Davis to be consistent, consistent, not fluctuating. There's two guys that have been super consistent this year. It's LeBron James, who I didn't think had a great series versus the Grizzlies, but overall it's LeBron James. Come on. Come on. But with Austin Reeves, he's been so consistent, so consistent. I trust him so much in this series. I trust him so much overall uh, handling the ball. But consistency, can Dennis Schroeder be consistent? Can Malik Beasley be consistent with shooting the ball? Um, can Troy Brown give some good minutes? Can Darvin Ham be consistent with, with his rotations? There's a lot of storylines in this Lakers-Warriors series. I think it's going to be legendary. I think if the Warriors win, it goes six or seven. I think if the Lakers win, it goes six or seven. But I do have the Lakers in six. I think they're well-rested. I think LeBron did a great job. In a couple games, putting his foot on the gas versus the Grizzlies, but also letting his foot off a little bit. He knows it's still, even though it's the playoffs, it's a marathon still. It's not a sprint. Let other guys, if they're going, let them cook. Austin Reeves, save your energy. You're a 38-year-old man. Let Austin Reeves cook. Let Anthony Davis get his. But when the time comes, LeBron James will show up. And he's a major storyline in this series because his three ball has not been falling. He's been great defensively. Um and he's been obviously great on the glass, getting 20 rebounds in the one game, and he had 13 average for the series versus the Grizzlies in, is in those six games. Uh, they're going to need him to create more offensively, and he's been very efficient at the rim, shooting about 67%. But it's about the three ball for LeBron James because they're going to pack the paint and, and force him to shoot. And as we know, LeBron can get hot. So can can he get hot? And um, if he does, and I'm betting on that he does, he he knows the Warriors, obviously. Obviously, Steph and the Warriors know him. It's must-watch TV, guys. It is. NBA haters out there, it's must-watch TV. Um, but that is all I have for this episode. Like I said, we are going to be cover- covering NFL on our Friday episode uh, or Saturday episode. Whenever we find time later this week, we will get, uh, we will post about it. We'll get it out for you guys, uh, covering everything still in the MLB, NHL, and NBA but covering a little bit more in the NFL. Obviously, the draft just happened. Our winners, our losers, look for look at 2023 as a whole. As I mentioned at the beginning and I, a little bit in the middle, if you guys have not followed us on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, YouTube, subscribe on YouTube. We're posting stuff daily on our story. We're going to post stuff on Instagram. We've been posting stuff, obviously, on TikTok daily, YouTube shorts, along with these YouTube videos on Spotify. Make sure to go give us a follow over there. Spotify has been popping off lately. And we thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, Everybody have a great week, and we will see you guys this weekend. Much love, everybody.